morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord. We're glad you're here today. Uh, let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that uh, we have opportunity to come to your house, Lord, in worship. Heavenly Father, Jesus, we sent you. Jesus, when we're practicing in praise team, we sent you right now. We sent you, Heavenly Father, in the in uh, the service. We sent you in the kids' church when we go in there. Lord, you permeate the building, and we're grateful for that because this is your house. And may your home be our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the promises of God. Now, of course, you know, if you've been a Christian, you've heard the term, the promises of God, and that, you know, we say it, we say it, we say it, and it kind of, that phrase kind of becomes rote, the promises of God, okay, and it's, they're, they're all wonderful. However, there are promises from God. Take it seriously. We need to take it seriously. There are promises of God from cover to cover in the Bible. The Bible is full of them, and that's where you will find them. How do you use the promises of God? Well, whatever your situation is, ask Jesus to kind of help you put a finger on what your situation is in, and be honest with yourself. Jesus knows exactly what it is, but pray and say, Jesus, where am I needy? What, what can I put a name on whatever it is that I'm sensing in my heart that I need help with? Is it anger? Is it jealousy? Is it um, in being insulted? You know, whatever it is. But be honest with yourself, first of all. And Jesus can be honest with you. Then look up scriptures that talk to those things that are, going, that are going on in your heart. And when you go to pray, apply those scriptures over yourself, over the need. Take the need, hold it up to Jesus, and apply the scripture and let it kind of permeate your heart. Let it go through your spirit. Yield yourself as you read those promises that deal with whatever your situation is. And as you do that, Jesus takes control and helps you to grow. Now, you may get it all in one big shot. Other times, it may be one of those things where you need to pray and visit it, and then you need to revisit it, and then you need to revisit it again with the Lord. But as you do it, try to do it uh, with your heart. The promises of God are there for us. And that's how we walk with God. And no matter how old you are in the Lord, whether you just got saved or whether you've been a Christian for 80 years, it doesn't matter. Uh, those promises are for you. They're there to guide you, to nurture you, to comfort you. 
if you will let him. And if you run into a situation where, you know, as a, in your flesh you're saying, I, I can't do it, I can't do it, I don't want to open myself up, that's when you need to press into it and dig in more. And you need to say, help me, Jesus, to be willing, to be made willing, to be made willing to allow you in this area of my heart in Jesus' name. Because he'll do it. If you're serious with him, he'll get serious with you in love. Hallelujah. Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity to share, Lord, uh, what was on my heart. I thank you, Heavenly Father, uh, for all those uh, listeners in Jesus' name. I pray, Jesus, that each and every one of us would take the words, Heavenly Father, um, that were spoken and sift through it uh, to find you um, in their lives and in my life. And uh, we just give it up to you, Lord. And we thank you, Jesus, that we can take that step forward and say, Jesus, I surrender all. You're mine. Cleanse me. Use me. Help me to walk hand in hand with you, Lord. However you come to that decision within your heart, the important thing is walk hand in hand with Jesus to the best of your ability. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. That is absolutely wonderful. Now, my wife and I didn't talk uh, before we came up this morning, but she just, wonderfully, what she just shared really leads into uh, what I want to share as well. So I thank you for that, honey. That was really good. If you followed her on that, that was really good. Now, we're on our second part. My name is John Sandy. That's Cynthia, my wife. We're at the Pauls and Gasway. Glad to have you with us. Whether you are live on uh, social media this morning or on delay, we're glad to have you with us. We are on our second part of uh, our, our topic on living sacrifice. Now, if you didn't get last week, you might want to go to my podcast, Growing With God, or to the Pauls Gasway and find it there because we shared a lot last week on, in opening this new topic that we may not spend a lot of time on, but is very, very significant. Now, let me say real quickly, and this follows up with what Cynthia just shared, a living sacrifice is a place, okay? We often think of living sacrifice or any type of sacrifice as, as a physical act or what we do, the kind of things we do to get God's favor, the things we do to get his attention. We want God to know all the details about our sickness because it might get his attention. We want to cry so that he'll listen. <laughs> we want to do emotional things, all kinds of things, so that we can feel like we have his attention. Well, living sacrifice is a place, okay? A place that we dwell. Cynthia hit on this so wonderfully. In Psalm 91... I don't have this up there, guys. I don't know if you can pull it up quickly or not. But Psalm 91.1, give you just a second there. Uh, this is something I just pulled up. Uh, talks about the secret place. And I want to read it to you. 
Psalm, and we're all familiar with Psalm 91. This is a scripture that a lot of people love to share to encourage the body of Christ, just how wonderful God is, how close he is, and how he cares for us. But there's also a place where we need to get so he can. Okay? Psalm 91, verses 1. This is from the New King James Version. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of his Almighty. Let me read that again. He who dwells, that's a place. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. This is referring to a place. Now, where is that place when you think of the physical body? Try this sometimes when you have your private time with the Lord. Place your hand over your stomach. This, and this, in one way, this helps us not to concentrate on the beating of the heart, the physical beating. Because we're talking about a spiritual place of dwelling, but it is a place. Like, you know, like they, they like doing in fantasy movies that there's a fantasy place out there, right? Like the Wizard of Oz and, and uh, Oz. <clears throat> but here we are in the Emerald City, these places. So you place your hand on your stomach, you get alone with God, and you begin to dwell on Him. Everything blocked out. You're dwelling on Him. Now, what will happen is if you do this, you will find yourself in a place of quiet rest of peace. This is where you are to live all the time. God wants us to live with Him. One day, and now. Now, I'm not just throwing out just little thoughts. This is something I'm very serious about. There is a place that you can come to where you dwell with him constantly. There was a monk that his full-time job was washing dishes. But he spent so much time in that he dwelled with God. He stayed in his presence. This is so awesome. He stayed in his presence all the time in this place. And they say you're, you're, a lot comes out of this area of our body. A lot of different feelings and emotions things come out of this area of our body. So I'm not just figuratively I'm literally telling you that this is what you should do. When you get alone, try this. Find a time where there's no interferences. You're not feeling your heartbeat. You're feeling down here. And you are, you are thinking on him. You are dwelling on him. It's not a prayer. It's a place. And you start thinking on him. You, you, you think on his word and what his word means, like Psalm 91 and other places, his promises. And after a while, I guarantee you, after a while, you will sense a presence with him of quiet rest. Now, this is where he wants you to dwell. This is where he wants you to live. So that no matter what comes up, the storms and things, the Christ, a, a believer should never be caught off guard. You have to have your guard down to do that. The Bible says lifting the shield of faith. You hold that shield in a place where the darts are coming. Whatever the weakness is in your life, whatever the struggles are you have in your life. And so you should never be caught off guard. Now, do we have things hit us? Absolutely. 
things come at us? Absolutely. You cannot have a healing ministry if you've never prayed. You have to grow. And this is the place you grow, the dwelling place with God. So do that for me sometime. I promise you, if you will do this sincerely and put your mind on Him and start dwelling on Him, you will find yourself in a place of rest. This is called the, 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 the secret place. This is where you are in constant communion with the Holy Spirit. See, when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive the mind of Christ and all these wonderful things. Now you think of this for a minute. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he sent back the Holy Spirit that was in him. That's why he tells us we can do all these wonderful things. I love what I heard a man say one day. I don't know if I've shared this or not. He said, I am getting tired of praying, Lord, guide the surgeon's hands. He said, I got tired. I'm tired of that. Because that's a fallback. That's a placebo effect. That is a situation where our faith, see, we pray with a hope. We don't pray hoping. But a lot of times when you hear Christians pray, you hear them crying out, hoping God will hear, hoping God will care enough, hoping when God is attentive, through my tears or details of the situation, hoping. But God wants us to walk in our hope. We are to dwell in His presence 24 hours a day so that we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Do you want your words to change lives? Do you want to lay hands on the sick and then recover? Do you want to lay hands on the dead and see them raised? Now, it does not take the gift of healing or miracles to do that. I know one man that has seen five people raised from the dead and does not claim to have the gift of miracles or healing. Why is that? Because that is the call on every believer. These signs shall follow them that believe. You and I as believers, if we will learn to dwell with him, then we will find out that in time we are already in position before a crisis hits us. We are already in a position. Cynthia and I do this. We learned this from a wonderful man of God named Terry Hogue, that every time he sees an ambulance, he begins to pray. So we do that now, every time. In, in any way we know. Now, how can we do that? if our mind is not already stayed on Him. The Bible says you're supposed to have your mind stayed on Him. How do you do that? Dwelling with Him 24 hours a day. Now, what I'm sharing with you is actually a lot larger and bigger than I can explain to you. Of all that I want to share with you, this one thing I'm sharing right now is much bigger than you probably realize. But God, God has called you to dwell with Him. He's called you to be with Him. He's not only preparing a place for you in heaven, he has prepared a place for you right here. And he gave you his Holy Spirit. Three times we have the arrival of the Holy Spirit. In the conception of Jesus through Mary, his baptism, and Pentecost. When Jesus died on the cross, the Holy Spirit went to heaven. Jesus dwelt among the living dead that the Bible talks about in paradise and preached to them. Then when he was resurrected, 
He gave us, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. He gave us his Holy Spirit. Isn't that wonderful? So when he went back to heaven, see, on earth he was a prophet, son of the living God. In heaven he became the, the high priest. He became king. That's why Mary couldn't touch him whenever he first rose from the dead. He said, I had not yet ascended to my father. To fulfill his purpose, to take the blood to the throne. He fulfilled his purpose. Then when he came back, he was a priest. Now you can touch him. He even ate with them when Peter and them were fishing. So it's important for us to understand that when we talk about this God's uh, living sacrifice, as I mentioned last week, a living sacrifice is where you sacrifice your life while you're living. Duh. <laughs> but that's, you know, it's what we're saying. A living sacrifice is when you sacrifice your life while you're living. See, so many things we're waiting to do when we get to heaven. Face it. We think about all the things we will do when we get to heaven. That's not the way that Jesus operates. That's why, as I mentioned, he says, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Now, how can you do that Unless you have the presence that you're going to get in heaven right now. How do you bind things in heaven and lose things in heaven and on earth unless you already operate in the same authority that you will have in heaven? So we need to start living now. We need to start dying to self now. We need to start laying on hands now. We need to start manifesting his word now. Not when we get to heaven. If you remember last week, I mentioned it's not going to churches where you grow. That's where you get information to grow with. You get information on saying to take with you during the week to practice, to operate in, to learn from and grow from and study. And you give and take in a service to the gifts and operation in your life. It's that Monday through Saturday that we grow or don't grow. That's why so many people come back to church every Sunday not different at all. No new testimony at all. Because they go to church and then they live their lives, not a sacrificial life, and then they go back to church next week with nothing new to offer. You should have a new testimony every day. Now when I say new testimony, it may not be anything huge like parting the water. But it may be you did something by the Holy Spirit. Cynthia and I were at a hotel this weekend. We went to visit the Creation Museum in the Ark. And we stay in the hotel the next, and so you've got to have your, see, we're not, we don't put up our antennas so we can hear God when he chooses to speak. No, he's speaking all the time. But if we get our antenna up, then he can now, we can now hear what he's been saying all day. So I was, I was getting breakfast, Cynthia was upstairs, I was getting breakfast, and this, this oriental girl was working in there, and I needed her help on several things, and, and I just felt really impressed to bless her. And so I got through eating, I went upstairs and got my wallet, talked to Cynthia, make sure we're together on this, and I went downstairs and I said, ma'am, I, I looked her up, I said, ma'am, I said, I want to give this to you in Jesus' name. And she, thank you. So you don't know. Could it be this girl's never heard Jesus' name because of her culture? I don't know. But I felt impressed to do that. Why? How did I know to do that? My antenna was up. I wasn't concentrating on what kind of eggs they had that morning. 
I wasn't concentrating on what all they had there. I was concentrating on whatever God wanted me to do that very moment. And then the next moment. And then the next moment. I may be at the ark, or I may be at the Christian Museum, and all of a sudden God may say, I want you to do this. If my antenna is not up, I won't hear it. What causes my antenna to go up? Wanting to live a sacrificial life. Wanting to be a living sacrifice. And God, God will test us. He'll give us opportunities to do that. So, we learn to walk moment by moment. The world hopes we have a hope. The world lives for the moment. We live in the moment. That's what you do as a living sacrifice. That way, if you do those things, that way you're, are, you are ready at any given moment because you're dwelling with him all the time, right? We are dwelling with him. This, this moment we had with him when we were alone, we talked about, and just concentrating on him is preparing us to know what it feels like all the time. And believe me, if you will do this, you'll know when you step out of his dwelling. You'll know it. You'll sense it. There's, there's unrest. All the things that are the opposite of faith. Isn't it interesting the Bible tells us that without faith it's impossible to please him? And then he goes on to say that love is greater than faith. Isn't that interesting? How do you get to a place where you love the way God has called us to love, the agape love? How do we get to that place by having faith? If you have faith, it is possible to please Him. Now, to perform that faith, you've got to love. Are you following me here? You've got to have faith to please Him. The Word tells us that. But you have to have love to operate in the faith. How do you do that? You're dwelling with him. You're dwelling with the Most High 24 hours a day. And the devil would love to, to get you in chaos and disturbance. And it comes sometimes. And you just have to pick yourself up. Do not, see, we, the problem is instead of dwelling on him, we're dwelling on the world things. We dwell on that instead. And that will disturb your peace. And if the devil can get you sidetracked and get your mind off of him, see, all these things operate together. If you will break them down in the study of the Word, you will see where God has given us everything that works together like a puzzle. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Without love, you can't operate in faith. And once you do that, you, have, you dwell with him, and now you can, be, you can operate with him moment by moment. We're supposed to walk moment by moment. You don't pick God up and put him down. Pick him up and put him down. You don't dwell with him here and not here. You don't, you don't, you will, it'll disturb your rest. It will disturb your peace. Because all these things that will come on you are the, that are the opposite of, of peace and rest and joy, the, the, the callings and the, 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 uh, the fruits of the Spirit and all these things, they are called to operate. Then he gave us the mind of Christ. Now, why did he give us the mind of Christ? so that we now can direct everything by his leading. See, when we operate in the mind of Christ, that means you're thinking what he's thinking, Don. That's a pretty profound thing. That is an awesome thought. Chew on that one for a while when you meditate in your dwelling place, that he has given you the mind of Christ. And if you operate in faith and love, then now 
he will allow you to know what he's thinking. Now you know what to do with your faith. Now you know what to do with your joy and your rest. Now you know what to do with the gifts and the callings and all these wonderful things and your purpose for living because now you have the mind of Christ. What does the mind of Christ mean? It means that we all, see, we all have the same spirit. Every one of us has the same spirit, no matter what our personalities are like or our callings or anything. We all have the same spirit. So the mind of Christ allows us to operate as one spirit because we have the same thought. Did you know that there's only one truth? There's only one truth. I don't care how many opinions. I tell people this. Whatever your opinion is, it never, it never changed one thing in the universe, what you think. What you and I think doesn't mount to hill beans if it's not the mind of Christ. Because after a while, we'll deceive ourselves and convince ourselves that what we're doing is good, and it's absolutely stupid. Did you know that sin is stupid? Sin is stupid. Have you ever heard stupid come out of someone's mouth? I mean, absolute stupid. You can be smart and believe stupid if you're deceived. Once you're deceived, then you can believe whatever you want and it makes sense to you and you can't talk me out of it. God does not want us to be an abomination to him. And we are headed that way if we don't put on the mind of Christ. Because we won't think what he thinks, and we'll have thoughts and beliefs, and we'll pick up ideas, we'll pick up popular beliefs, uh, fashions, and all kinds of things, and go with it, because we're not really operating in the mind of Christ. I told a story last week of how I was in a singing group, and how I was really asked to make a decision about what I believe. That's really what they were asking me. It was about a man, but I knew it was more than a man. And when I prayed with Michael Bobblehead on campus before I went into the college uh, the office there for the second time, we prayed for God to give me the right words. Not my will, not what I wanted. What, what's, what's the right words? And so I did. I said, for me to stop believing what this man represents would jeopardize my salvation. Now someone said, oh, what are you doing following a man? Did you hear what I just said? For me to stop believing in what that man stood for. It wasn't about him. It never was about this man of God. It was about what he believed that stirred them up. Does your life stir people up? I don't mean argument where you cause arguments. I'm talking about just your life stir people up. It should. Now, they'll, it'll stir some people to move away from you. And it'll stir some people to want what you have. But either way, you did something good because God does not want anybody straddling the fence. He said, I'd rather be hot or cold. When you live for God, you will stir people to hot or cold. Did you know that? If you walk with God and your life is an example, there are people that will hate you, Don, because of your love of Jesus. That's not bad because it forced them off the fence. And that's what you're called to do. Force them off the fence. So I, I, I ended up giving that up, and I ended up on campus with my luggage in Indiana. I lived in West Virginia. That wasn't going to work. I didn't know how I was going to get home from Indiana. It did, what mattered was I'd obey God that day. Do you obey God no matter the cost? They did allow me later to go to Italy with a group, but I had to take a two trains and a bus to New York City. And I was supposed to be in a family I didn't know to stay in their homes in Queens. So I got, I, I'm traveling by myself. Well, this was before cell phones. Couldn't stay in touch with my mom if I wanted to. 
And I get to New York, I'm thinking, how am I going to meet these people? How am I going to find them? Now, you look, look at what I'm saying. I'm talking about obeying God. I'm talking about being where God wants me to be. Like Dr. Stanley said, I mentioned last week, we do God's will, let him, leave the results to him. Just obey God. And I get to New York, and I'm in a cab, and all of a sudden I hear, as we're driving down the road in New York City, John, the people I was meeting with saw me in the cab. Obey God. Leave the results to him. Don't try to figure too much out. Because then your mind takes over instead of the mind of Christ. So I, I got to where I was needing need to be. Another story was I worked for radio. I was in Christian radio for 13 years. And one of my favorite jobs that I had as I was going through life. And uh, one day, our radio station, which was owned by Dr. Spiro Zodiades, it was a Christian network, they sold the radio station to a secular owner, Rock 105. So our station moved down to their place in St. Albans. And I worked there for a while. And the only ones that were left from the original staff was our, uh, uh, another DJ, myself, and uh, I believe uh, our manager. After a while, it was just me and the other DJ. Then one day they called me into the office and they said, we've never let anybody go that we're not firing. We're just downsizing. But if you want to stay and work on the secular radio station, you can work on this station here. Well, I knew some of the music they played. And I knew as a believer I couldn't announce those songs. Did I have a place to go? No. Generally speaking, do you want to have a place to go before you leave a job? That's just common sense in most cases. But we're talking about dwelling with the Most High, living in His presence. And all I knew at that moment, I was totally caught off guard, but I knew, Christy, without a thought, I knew what I had to do without thinking about it or praying about it because His will is the only thing that mattered. So was I caught off guard? Yes. But was my spirit caught off guard? No. So he said, if you want to stay, you can work this station here. And I said, now you've got to realize, folks, we're not out here to beat people. We're out here to what? Love people. That way my faith can be effective if I love. So I said, sir, I said, I really appreciate that. Now, thank you so much. But as, now watch what I'm doing here. But as a believer... As a Christian, I, I, don't, I can't do it. But I thank you. Thanking the world? Well, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm respecting him as my authority in that building. He was the manager. I said, but I want to thank you for the opportunity. So I went back, put everything in a small box, and called Cynthia and had her come and get me. But before I did, I walked down to the sales office where I had been lovingly witnessing to them, and I said, guys, I'm going to be leaving. They said, yeah, we heard. I said, I just want you to know this. And I was talking to two, sell, two salespeople. I said, please consider Jesus. One received me, the other one I don't think did. But all you have to do is let God take care of the rest. You obey God. I had nowhere to go. So I ended up going back to teaching, subbing, and eventually uh, getting a position in school. I was subbing, I had a, a year position, what they call a tire position, 
as a sub, I had a tire position for one year at a school. And I did everything I could to build that program up, the art program. And one day, two or three years later, I get a call from one of the teachers I taught with at that school. And she said, John, this is, this is, uh, the, she was now the super, she was over art and music in Canal County. Yeah, Fonda Lockhart. One, oh, wonderful woman. They called her the Velvet Hammer. Because she had a way of getting her point across with such love. You just loved her. You couldn't help but love her. And she called me and said, John, do you remember when I taught with you at McKinley that year? I said, yes. She said, and you were doing all this stuff for the program, for the art program there and everything. She said, and I asked you, why are you doing this? You're only here for one year. And she said, do you remember what you said to me? I said, no, I don't know. She said, you said to me, it just seems like, it just seems like the right thing to do. She said, because of that, I want you on my staff. She called me at home two or three years later. I want you on my staff. God will take care of you if you obey God. And folks, obeying God breaks down to a lot of different things. Can I go over them? Do all things without murmuring and complaining. Whatever you do at your job, do it to the best of your ability. Be five minutes early and stay five minutes late. And don't complain. One day someone shared a story where they were working with someone that was really hard to work with. And they were just praying, God, help us with the situation. Maybe we should move on. You know what I wanted them to pray? Lord, keep them here until you get done changing me. Folks, your enemy is not your goal. Your goal is to let God take your circumstances. That he doesn't create them all, but he'll cause them to work together for those who love him called according to his purpose. If you'll love him and do his will, which is what that's talking about, God will take that, that difficult situation and grow you. You humble yourself. God does the breaking. This is one way he does it. But you've got to stay on the operating table. You can't pray for God to take people out of your way that makes your life miserable until he's done teaching you what he wants to teach you in the middle. I could preach on that for quite a while. Right there. How important it is that we walk and dwell with him 24 hours a day because that's the way you become a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice, you cannot disturb a corpse. You can kick a corpse and drag it through the streets and they won't say a word. You cannot offend someone that's dead. And you and I are supposed to walk living in him dead to self. That's the way we're supposed to live. And it's time for a lot of us folks to get off milk. It's time for us to start growing during the week between church services and come to church with something to offer instead of just something to get. We come to worship Him, not to get tickled, but to praise Him. We listen to sermons so we learn how we can better serve Him that next week. And if you will do that, God will lead you to people and cause you to be a witness to people that are looking for this church. Did you know that we're here because there are people called here and are waiting for us to give them directions? 
You can't give them directions unless you're a living sacrifice. You can't give them directions unless you are dead to self. You can't give them directions until you stop being offended. Folks, we don't have any right to be offended. And some people think they do because they were the ones in the right. Well, I didn't do anything. I don't know why they did that to me. I didn't do anything. That really makes me mad. Well, you think you justified it because you were innocent. No, 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 no. You have no right to be offended whether you're guilty or innocent. Doesn't matter. That is not a privilege we have as a believer. Do you want to walk with God? you want to do God's will? Then I suggest you stop getting offended. Do you know when you get to heaven before God, there's not one thing you did that you can blame on anybody else, including the devil? You can't blame your circumstances, your poor home life, someone that's not treated you right or respected you. You're not going to blame one of those things, not none of them, when you get to heaven for the decisions you made. I told John this morning coming up in the car, I said, when people, when we get into struggles and situations, what we don't realize is each one of those situations that tempt us or cause us to struggle, each one of those are giving us a choice. Every time you have a situation that's bad, I don't care if it's your health, I don't care if it's a relationship, your marriage, your work situation, your finances, there's not a single thing that will hit you that does not require a choice. And when you make that choice, you'll go one way or another. What's the two ways? God's will or yours? There's no fence. The devil owns the fence. We need to get off the fence. We need to get off the milk. We need to start following Jesus one step at a time, spending time with him. You cannot do it without knowing the word of God. You can't do it. I don't care how little time you spend in the word, get in the word. I don't care how little time you spend praying, start praying. Now, you can pray anywhere you go, anytime God will hear your prayer, but you need that quiet time too. Don't let all your prayer life be doing other things while you're praying. I mentioned last week on different translations of the Scripture. Don't let the more contemporary Scriptures be your base, your main Scripture. They're wonderful, and I refer to them a lot. But I don't let them be my basis. Now, why is that? Because in some ways, the generality, the generality of contemporary Scripture is a little bit, please remember, please understand where I'm coming from, is a little bit watered down. It does enlighten you on things, and it's wonderful. I look to them. I go to the, the, the besides the King James and New King James, I do go to the NIV and the N, N, New Living Translation. I do go to um, the Message Bible and to um, the one you use a lot, honey, Amplified Version. I use all of them, but my base starts with the New King James or the King James if you can deal with the these and thous. So we, we are in a position where we have an opportunity to move forward or backwards. You're not going to come back next. Now listen to me. You're not going to come back next week just the way you are. Did you know that? You're not coming back next week just the way. You will either be closer or a little harder next week. Well, John, that sounds awful critical. You're either moving or you're not. You know what not moving is called? Stagnant. After a while, that, that, that um, testimony you have 10 years ago, and that's the last one, after a while that's going to get stale in your heart. It's still real, and you should always remember it and review it. 
But God wants to continually work with us to keep the waters in our heart from going stagnant. We need to get serious with God. Get your antenna up so you can see, so you can hear what he's been saying to you all day long. And he'll take you into great places, thrills, romance, and adventure. He'll get you in situations, and he'll also, in difficult situations, prepare your heart so that you're not thrown. You don't want to be blown over by circumstances because they hit us all. But if you dwell with him, take, please take time to do that. Dwell with him. Spend time with him, thinking on him and his promises, and he's wonderful, just how wonderful he is. Spend time just thinking about how awesome he is. And place your hands right here where you're not inter interrupted by the listening to your heartbeat, just right here. Because the God, that's, that's where a lot of the, uh, the Holy, the, that's where a lot of the Spirit dwells in that. It's not the physical heart. We, that's a, that's a, a temporary uh, terminology for the Spirit. We won't say the heart. But it's actually not. So I encourage you to walk with God moment by moment, trusting Him, you can't walk moment by moment unless you're dwelling with him in that moment. If you go moment by moment and you step out and you're not dwelling in him, you're stepping out on your own and you can get in the flesh real easy. We all can, right? I challenge all of us to do that, to walk close to him, to seek him, develop a relationship, learn what he's like so you know how to act. Amen? Jesus, thank you. You are so awesome. Help us to want to spend time to get to know you. Help us to want to please you. Help us, to, help us Lord, to, to be that walking, living sacrifice where we die to ourselves while we live in you. Father, I speak blessings over these people, these wonderful people that are here today, these wonderful people that are listening online. I speak blessings over you. Receive it. We are to bless our enemies. We're to bless our friends. I bless you in the name of Jesus. I speak blessings over you. And you can receive them and take them if you want. They're yours. Every single promise of God is yours. Every single one is yours. Let him show you how to walk in those blessings that you may be a blessing to other people. For there are people waiting to come into this church right now, waiting for us to be faithful and be obedient so we can guide them right here because this is what they're waiting for. This is why we're here. Because people are waiting on us. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise your holy name. Amen. Please hit like and share, if you would, please, on your phones so we can get this word out to other people. Thank you. We'll be on part three on living sacrifice next week. Thank you.